0: Hello and welcome to the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Ryan Coop here alongside Trey Colbeck and Adam Stewart. Uh, Welcome to our Week One 2022 CFL preview. Uh, Week One kicks off tomorrow night, Thursday night, June 9th. CFL season officially gets underway. We're here to preview everything. Uh, We'll take a look at the matchups, we'll take a look at the fantasy options. And we'll take a look at the best bets for week one here as well. Uh, We are uh, live on a variety of different platforms, YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Twitter, all of that uh, brought to you by our presenting sponsor, Game Time TV. Check out Game Time TV MB on Facebook, facebook.com slash Game Time TV MB for more information on our presenting sponsor. Uh, well, before I bring in the rest of the panel here tonight, I do want to mention we are a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and as always, want to acknowledge that the Canadian Football Countdown is brought to you from Treaty 1 territory, traditional territory of the Anishinaabe Cree, Oja Dakota and Dene peoples, and the homeland of the Métis Nation, as well as from Treaty 4 territory, traditional territory of the Cree, Soto dakota lakota Nakota, and Métis nation now let's bring the other two members of the panel in here tonight he's our resident batting expert here on the canadian football countdown it's the great trey callback trey how you doing tonight
1: oh, i'm doing good ryan i'm excited to look at this some interesting lines uh point spreads going into week one and uh Really excited. What do you guys think about some of them, too? Because, you know, it's easy to think about who's going to win, but sometimes it's hard to think about how much they're going to win by, right? So really excited to talk about it with you guys.
0: Yeah, it should be interesting to break those all down here tonight, especially week one. You never know what you're going to get coming into week one, right? So some interesting lines, some interesting action to talk about. Uh, and our uh, our expert here on the storylines for the Week One games and the matchups, we've got the great Adam Stewart here with us as well. Adam, how are you tonight?
2: Well, doing good. Uh, you know, just always as a farmer, you're always busy, and today no exception. We're uh, we're trying to do a little bit of uh, uh, chemical application to help uh, clean up some fields, and uh, yeah, going. Running around in the field right now. So uh my apologies again in advance if my uh sprayers a little loud. It's
0: right, sounding good so far, and you're all sounding good so far. Happy to be back here and kicking off the regular season content here on the podcast. Uh first of all, before we uh we're gonna talk fantasy later, as I mentioned, we're gonna talk uh best bets of the week. But let's talk through the four games on the schedule for week number 1 first of all. Uh Adam over to you. Take us away with the uh the storylines for this week, this week's games. Well, week 1 is uh definitely
2: going to be full of storylines this year. And uh the no exception I guess with the first game of the year. This is the Calgary Stampeders and the Montreal Alouettes out of McMahon Stadium. Should be a great game. Uh uh, Bo Levi Mitchell of course is coming back and uh, so is Vernon Adams jr off an injury from last year and uh both look uh, to try to have maybe a little bit of a bounce back here uh Bo Levi of course did make it into the uh, West uh, semifinals and Vernon Adams again injury and just wants to try to buy keep pace uh with Trevor Harris who's right behind him so I guess the first thing for storylines is, Uh, do either of these quarterbacks really have a long leash? Uh, Vernon Adams Jr., of course, has a very good backup behind him in Trevor Harris. And Bo Levi Mitchell, we seen Jake Bahar last year, and he looked pretty good when he was in. So how much of a leash do each of these quarterbacks have, I think, is one of the storylines going into this. Uh, Trey, we'll go with you first. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think that's a very good point. And, um, You know, it seemed Montreal seemed to have given uh, Vernon Adams Jr. a long, longer leash in the past, but I wonder what Trevor Harris in there now, well, how's it going to be? And I'm really interested in Bo Levi because we're really, we've been we've been talking on this show and everyone's been talking, which bow are we going to get? Um, it seemed, preseason seems to think we might, you know, Calgary might be hot, so we tend to lean that way. I'm a little bit more skeptical. I, yeah, the quarterback play, I think that's, That's kind of like, we'll talk about it later in the betting segment, but looking at that way, I was really kind of torn on which team to pick. Um, I'm really interested in
0: this one, Ryan. Yeah, it's uh, two quarterbacks that didn't look fantastic in the preseason. You know, Vernon Adams, we saw him kind of head down after three interceptions, I think it was, in that game against Ottawa at the end of the preseason. And, you know, how much do you buy into preseason? Some quarterbacks around the league, we didn't see play a single snap. We saw Bo Levi play, what, a quarter uh, for Calgary, throw a couple picks there. He was out. Um, So I don't know how much we read into that. All the talk I've seen from Calgary, you know, uh, mostly, you know, Danny Austin doing a great job covering the Stampeders over there, uh, seems to suggest that uh, Bo Levi Mitchell is as healthy as ever and has looked real good in training camp. So uh, you know maybe a bit of pressure on these two quarterbacks like you guys mentioned with some backups behind them uh, looking to come out strong here in week number one
2: absolutely I'm the same in the same boat here I think that probably Bo Levi probably has a little bit I mean he, he is a veteran of course he's a guy that's uh, been around in this league forever he's an MOP uh, winner and he's won the Grey Cup a few times he's probably got a fair I still say he has a little bit of a leash on him uh Ferdinand Adams Jr. may be a little different just because you do have that quarterback uh, uh, right behind you, like Trevor Harris, who has been a uh, starting quarterback in this league. So it comes down to, I think, who is probably just going to be uh, uh, likely, uh, like I said, it just probably comes down more to uh, to execution. And I think Cole Levi Mitchell will be okay. But the next question probably leads into, in the next storyline, Leads into a little bit with Vernon Adams Jr. There are rumors out there, guys, that uh, Kahari Jones is probably not quite yet on the hot seat in Montreal, even though, you know, it's only not even been uh, week one yet. But uh, uh, Milt Stiegel started off there last week in the preseason game, and uh, it's been going a little bit uh, more viral here that uh, Danny Machocha, the general manager of the Montreal Alouettes, Maybe he's starting to think that it's time for a a different head coach. And uh, uh, what do you guys think about uh, Kari Jones possibly uh, uh, being a little bit on the hot seat? And How many games does he get to prove that he's got a winning team in
0: Montreal? Well, to me, this is I, I I don't see it. I don't see him being on the hot seat. And maybe that's me being in denial. And maybe a part of that is me just seeing uh, you know, how much Montreal struggled for so many years with uh, rotation of coaches, a rotation of quarterbacks, etc. You've got a quality quarterback there. You had one of the highest, most underrated offensive lines in the CFL last season, you know, Kahari Jones as well as coach disappointing playoff result last year for sure, but If I'm in charge here and, uh, you know, Milt Steagall came in hot with that take for sure in the preseason uh, broadcast and I I can kind of see where he's coming from with that. But to me, uh, especially with, you know, you're expecting Ottawa to be better this season, you're expecting a pretty even league across the board here. I would say I'm not putting Kahari Jones on the hot seat uh, unless this season just falls off the deep end. Uh, How about you, Trey?
1: No, I agree that uh, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, again, like looking at the stats, they had one of the better offenses in the league last year. And Kari Jones is a quarterback coach. I feel like, why get get rid of your guy who's been getting them progressing? And I think, I think we're like sports in general is falling into that culture where we see coaches getting fired. Like, didn't we just see a couple in the NHL coaches who've never had a losing season get fired? You know, I think it's that culture and that idea that we need to win now. And I'm trying not to be a homer, but we look back at Winnipeg. You had to go through a couple of rough years with O'Shea to build something going on. And I, I, I could, I, I mean, I'm sure it's a, probably a true rumor. I just don't understand why.
2: Yeah, I'm the same boat too. I the Carhari Jones was a uh, uh, most valuable coach. I think uh, was it last, last season? I believe. Uh, just It would be mind-boggling for it to happen. However, it's Danny machochi You never know what could happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't think he's right on the hot seat immediately. I mean, let's face it, he's got to have at least five or six weeks to, to try to prove what's going on here, at least before that starts. And uh, like, like I've always been told, if there's smoke, there's probably some fire there. But, again, I think right off the bat, Kari Jones is probably pretty safe, and especially if Vernon Adams Jr., really plays well in the first couple of games. Uh, The third thing on the Calgary Stampeders and Montreal Alouettes was, of course, 2022. Both uh, the Filippo boys were drafted by individual teams and I don't know about you guys, but man, would it be cool to see two Canadian receivers that are very talented from the University of Calgary both end up playing in their first game in McMahon what do you guys think of that and uh, yeah what uh what are you expecting to see there out of the uh, stamp theaters in Montreal's uh, receiving court
0: well just taking a look at the you know their depth charts I took a look at them earlier today because the game kicks off tomorrow night they're out there already I believe both the brothers are on their team's depth charts I'll take another look here. Uh, and confirm I don't know if either of them are starting I don't think that was the case when I had looked at that earlier but I really hope we get to see them in there in game action and uh, you know maybe that's an interesting prop bet of which brother uh, which brother ends up with more receiving yards in this game but these are two two offenses to me where the you know, you've got some big name receivers. You've got Jake Winicky. You've got Eugene Lewis on one side. You've got Reggie Bagleton, Kamar Jordan on the other. It's the big two on, on both sides here, right? Then you've got a lot of depth pieces who are maybe getting into the lineup for the first time this year or maybe trying to make a name for themselves. Uh, so I'm very excited to see what those depth pieces use because I, I do. Because I, I would like to see these teams be able to spread the ball around a little more. Uh, Trey, what do you think?
1: No, I agree. I think that the key to any good offense is spreading the ball around. So as long as they're on the depth chart, they, they both have their shots to get some touches. And, uh, yeah, I like I, like you said, right. I don't know. I don't even know which way to lean on. I guess I'd go with the Calgary one to get more touches just cause you got Bull Levi, but we're like, we both said, we all said Vernon Adams needs to prove himself. So both, both guys, if they're on the field, they should have their chances. And, uh, yeah, it's great to see the Canadian product, uh, continue and to keep, keep getting better. And, uh, we had two sets of twins go in like the first in the well in the draft. I don't know if they were the first round. I know three of the four were. So that's pretty good to see these guys get on the field.
0: I uh, just double checked the Calgary depth chart here. It looks like uh, the Calgary Philpott brother, uh, I believe that one's Jalen, uh, if I'm correct, uh, is actually not on the depth chart for this game. So. Unfortunately, the week one meeting, we may not get to, get to see it between these two guys here. Uh, Adam, take it away with our next matchup for week number one. You betcha. And both of you
2: guys are probably it's, uh, gotten this one circled on the calendar. Next up is the Winnipeg Blue Bombers who are going to be uh, hoisting up their second Grey Cup banner. As much as that pains me to say. Uh up against the Ottawa Red Blacks. And this game here is going to be very interesting as well due to the fact that we've got Paul Lapelise returning home from Ottawa uh, and coming down back to Winnipeg. They didn't meet last year. And uh, what are you guys thinking on uh, Paul Lapelise's uh, mindset and strategy coming into Winnipeg for uh, week one?
1: I want to see him do the craziest trick play, first play, and say, "This is what you guys are missing out on." No, but uh, I, I think it'll be good. I, I Lap was one of those guys I've always really liked. Um, maybe well, both on and off the field. Any chance I've had to meet him? Uh, it's really good to have him back. It was sad that we couldn't see him last year, but looking at the game, I don't know. Like I'm, he, 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 I think he'd be lying if he said he didn't really want to win this one. Uh, you know, stick it to the two time champs that you you know we're a part of uh I think it'll be good I'm not sure uh I I don't know how much a head coach actually has to do with like I think every team could be different how much a head coach actually is hands-on in specific points so how much is he actually going to influence the offense and do certain things you don't know but I I definitely wouldn't be overly upset if he walked away with the wind uh being a Lappel fan Ryan what about you
0: Well, it just feels so bizarre that we talk about, yeah, Paul Appelice coming home to Winnipeg, like his his homecoming game here. And it's, what, two and a half years after he was last here? Like, uh, you had the missed season in 2020. You had last season the weird scheduling where the Bombers and Red Blacks didn't play once at all. Uh, which was uh, an odd schedule. Now you have them playing back-to-back to start the season. I don't know if it's making up for lost time, but, uh, yeah, excited to see Paul Appelis come back home here. I believe I, I heard rumors they're, they're going to uh, honor Lapo and Darvin Adams a little bit at the game here in Winnipeg Friday night. So uh, that's good to see as well. Looking forward to uh, seeing what they bring with a brand-new Red Blacks roster.
2: Absolutely. And the other thing also that's really nice about Lapo coming home, I mean, let's face it, Winnipeg loved the guy. If Mike O'Shea wasn't there, he was going to be the head coach of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, I think, again, for a very long time. And I'm excited to see Lapo end up back in in Winnipeg. And, you know, I'm kind of rooting for him for a win. And that's for other reasons as well. Anyways, (laughs) uh, the next one also that we have going on is – the uh, first game with uh, without Andrew Harris for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That was a big uh, change up for the Bombers here this year. I mean, last year we did see some of Johnny Agostini and Brady Oliveri. Uh, what do you guys are thinking uh, is kind of a reasonable expectation for the two uh, to, for the two new running backs to come in? I mean, obviously they, you don't expect them to be an Andrew Harris tomorrow, but what are some expectations out of the running game out of winnipeg for this season and for this first game against ottawa
0: i think trey and i both kind of talked about it here in the podcast uh uh, earlier in the off season where i think we were in agreement that keeping uh and johnny augustine was absolutely the right call for the bombers as ugly as the departure of andrew harris was you know he is getting up there in age health is an issue And uh, I think these two guys filled in admirably last season when Harris was down. So, uh, you know, another year for them. I'm excited to see. I think it's going to be a battle quite a bit throughout the early season here where we're probably going to see a split backfield between the two. Uh, We've seen Winnipeg run that system before. I I would probably give the edge myself to Johnny Augustine. I really like what I've seen from him in very limited time, but uh, I would expect both of these guys to be well involved in the offense uh, early on. What about you, Trey?
1: Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Um, I bet, though, if they don't combine for 200-plus yards, there's going to be a couple fans complaining about it. But other than that, I think – Yeah. Either way you shake it up. If one guy takes the lead, either guy can take the lead. If like they're 50, 50, if you guys guys in different situations and heck try to have them both on the field at the same time and hit with them and Nick Dembski. I mean, that's absolute speed out there. Right. So I have no problem. I think, yeah, I think that was my interview uh, podcast. I, I have no problem with the decision they made. Um, Yeah, not many running backs make it to that age. And I don't want to be that guy, but then it makes that test a few years ago look a little even more, uh, you know. And, you know, it's just one of those things. And um, I hope I'm the best in the Toronto. I still think Toronto's going to be a top team. But if one of those guys took the lead, I think they would have more rushing yards than Andrew Harris. And I could see these two guys combined having more yards than Andrew Harris.
2: You know, one thing I'm going to watch between the two of them is not mostly the running game on, in Winnipeg. I'm going to be watching the blocking game for Winnipeg. Let's face it, uh, Andrew Harris could block the back of Zach Kolaros. Not that he needed it a lot because, I mean, Winnipeg does have a very, very good offensive line. But I think that that's one thing I'm going to watch a little bit tomorrow night to see if that really had dropped off or if, uh, if Winnipeg could still block like they used to and see the running backs if Augustini and Oliveri can do a great job of blocking for Zach Galeros. Speaking um, of Zach Galeros, there is a new quarterback uh, over on the other side of the field, actually, in Ottawa. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli is going to play his first start for the Ottawa Red Blacks tomorrow night. He looked he had flashes and looked very good in Hamilton, and uh, they decided to move on. Will Hamilton regret that move uh, for starters? But also, what are you guys expecting to see out of Jeremiah Mazzoli tomorrow night in Winnipeg?
0: Well, well, just to jump back in on what you mentioned about the blocking there uh, for Winnipeg as well, an underrated thing to talk about is uh, how good Darvin Adams was when it came to the blocking, right? And, you know, it's convenient now we're talking about Mazzoli and the Red Blacks, uh, and Darvin Adams is going to be involved in that offense this season. You know, he, he he may not have been the featured go-to receiver in his past, the last year here in Winnipeg, but his blocking game was huge for that offense. And now he goes over to Ottawa. He plays there with Jeremiah Mazzoli. I'm excited to see this offense. It's got a lot of exciting pieces in it. I like what they did with the offensive line. I, I like what the pieces they brought in for him. But I really don't know what to expect here at the start of the season. I think we're going to see an offense that you know, gets going surely a lot better than it did last year, but I think it's going to take a number of weeks before we see them really hit their upper echelon. And Hey, if you're a team like Winnipeg, you get them out of the way weeks one and two, it's not a bad thing. Is it Trey? No, it's not a bad thing at all. And
1: I agree. I'm really excited about this offense and I'm, you know, guys, I'm a little higher on Ottawa, you know, they're my crossover team now. And, I think that their I think their defense may be I mean, I like their offense way better. And uh, the question was about Mazzoli. I've been high on Mazzoli. I, I I haven't had no problem with him as a quarterback. I think as long as he stays healthy and I think he'll fit well into this offense. And I, I don't know if I want to play who's gonna miss out because I think Dane Evans is a very capable quarterback too, and they and I think they both are gonna have great success. So I don't know if it's gonna be as simple who had who's better and who uh, who shouldn't have been let go. Um, who knows maybe he only got let up wasn't there some vaccine issues with Mazzoli right you know we never know that could have been more of a reason uh, I don't know Dane Evans either I don't know what his vaccination status is but I'm assuming it's better than or not better but it was more up to date than Mazzoli's was on, on what the Canadian requirements were so I, I don't think it was a performance-based issue why he left Hamilton I think they just went with the guy who maybe took one for the team and got the jab, right? That could be simply all it was. And I think Mazzoli, either he is vaccinated now or it doesn't need to be. I'm not sure what the rules are. So I think he's going to have a good time in Ottawa.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that Jeremiah Mazzoli, uh, let's face it, a fr- uh, just needed a change of scenery maybe more than anything as well. Uh, he uh, he looked okay in Hamilton. I mean, like like I said before, he's he went to a great cup. I mean, Dane Evans did end up playing those games. Those two will be tied together probably now from here to eternity or until one of them is not in the league no more, I suppose. But uh, in the overall run, I think it's probably a good move. And uh, I, I expect to see some big things out of Jeremiah Mazzoli. Week one, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's hard to say, especially against the, uh, the defending uh, Grey Cup champion Winnipeg Blue Bombers. That could be a tall order. But hey, we'll see what happens here and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, just a quick question for you guys as a quick last one here. How many uh, Grey Cup rings will be in the Winnipeg uh, uh, Winnipeg Blue Bombers? And these are the uh, replica ones that the fans all got for season tickets. How many of them are going to be uh, probably uh, carried around uh, tomorrow night in Winnipeg?
0: Well, Trey, you got yours at the ready here just like me. That. Trey's holding his up uh, a lot, I think, is the answer there. I think a lot of people will bring those to the stadium uh, Friday night.
1: Oh, for sure. I got three, with every, one with every season ticket. So if I trusted my kids with them, they'd be wearing them too, but I don't. So I think I'll just bring the one.
0: All right, I think that does it for Winnipeg and Ottawa. Let's move on to our next game. Who do we have next here, Adam?
2: Yeah, next is the game that I'm excited about for this week. It's on Saturday afternoon, 5.30 starts in Saskatchewan when the Saskatchewan Rough Riders open their uh, attempt to start to head towards their journey to the Great Cup, which is back at home uh, against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh like we said just before this, Dane Evans start starting for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Uh, lots of storylines in this one. Uh, I think we probably should maybe start. Uh, I'm going to start with Saskatchewan, of course. Uh, we went, we had our draft here just the other day. And of course, Zach uh, Caleros was drafted number one, uh, followed shortly there by uh, Cody Fajardo. What are you guys expecting to see out of Cody Fajardo this year? Uh, is he going to change his game a little bit after maybe a little bit of a setback year last year? Uh, what would you guys want to see out of your starting quarterback for Saskatchewan?
0: Trey, you want to go
1: first on this one? Yeah, for sure. I'm You know, I'm expecting a lot out of him. Uh, again, being a Bomber fan, I was quite nervous when he had was on the field for like the last two West final games, uh, especially in the 2019 one. I think he had an injury going into that. And he still almost beat that Bomber defense, right? So, and uh, you know, again, he had a down year last year, but I was still very nervous. He's like, when he was on the field, and I, I expect good, big things from him. I think, uh, you know, we all know I picked the Rough Riders to be in the Grey Cup, and I think it's going to mainly be because of him. And again, I, I, I was talking to my brother. And he's a Rough Rider fan, and I said, "Hey, I don't know if you saw the podcast, but I did pick the Rough Riders." And he said, "Why?" And I was like, "I can't see the Bombers beating Saskatchewan in November, or well, one yeah, November like that three years in a row. It's got to, It's Saskatchewan's time, you know. They seem to want to win when they host the Grey Cup, and well, I'm sure there'll be a good a good crowd of Mosaic in November for them."
0: Yeah, I think I'm I'm very excited to see what Cody Fajardo does here because uh, everybody kind of talks about last season being a down season for him, a, a bit of a rough year for him, yet, but yet he was still near the top of almost every quarterback statistical category last year. Uh, and uh, one thing that was really missing for a lot of the season was the deep ball connection. And You could tell he was still trying to force it downfield early in the season uh, over and over again. and just wasn't connecting on it. And then they brought in a guy by the name of Duke Williams uh, down the stretch. And that elevated Fajardo's game. Uh, You could tell there was more confidence in those deep throws for him. Uh, And I'm excited to see what that brings this year. I think the Riders are arguably one of the deepest teams in the CFL at wide receiver. So he's got a plethora of options available to him. uh, And he's got all the tools he needs to go out and succeed this year.
2: I I think you're right. I mean, like I say, I think he's got to get that idea of the deep ball maybe out of his head once in a while. I mean, yeah, you do now have a guy like Duke Williams that can make some amazing catches downfield. But you know what? I think it was just getting to him in the end. I, I think it was just all about the... I've got to hit that deep ball. I've got to hit it. And after a while, you just know that uh, it's got to sit there and wane on you a little bit. So hopefully he fixes that a little bit. I think he's going to have a bounce back here myself too. Uh, like I say, I think he's going to be a, uh, definitely a, uh, one of the guys that's going to be thought about for the MOP probably by the end of the year. That being said, uh, the defense of Saskatchewan has changed quite a bit this year. Uh, no more Luchez Purifoy, who was huge for the Riders last year. That secondary is definitely different. Uh, is this Hamilton's opportunity to maybe exploit that, uh, that defense in secondary and uh, maybe make some moves on the Rough Riders uh, with their with the receiving corps?
0: Well, not to tease things or spoilers for our fantasy segment coming up, but... Uh dane evans to me is looking like one of the top quarterback value plays of the week because uh i don't trust that riders secondary from what i've seen of the depth charts so far and what i've seen from preseason. i think their linebacking core is the best in the league no doubt about that and i think you know it could maybe be a bit of tough running for don jackson uh in the run game for the tie cats you know you, you they've got a solid defensive line in saskatchewan as well you get through that likely your running back's not getting past the uh, that linebacking core for the Riders. But when it comes to the passing game, I-, I think there's room to exploit that secondary a little bit. And yeah, they've lost Brandon Banks. Yeah, they've lost uh, Jalen Acklin. But Braylon Addison, seemingly healthy. Tim White's ready for another solid year. They've got a couple young guys in the lineup there as well. Uh, I'm excited to see what this Ticats offense can do uh, against that secondary of Saskatchewan.
1: No, I agree with that. The only thing is I think it's going to be a high-scoring game on both sides. So I think it's really going to come down to quarterback. When you have a high-scoring game, it's always going to come down to kind of your offense because I feel like in the Canadian game, teams are always going to get two and outs or big stops here and there. Uh, But yeah, I, I would... Again, like with my weekly pick I did, I had to score pretty high. I think I did high 50s as my guess kind of thing. I could even see going 60s. It could be a 31-30 game pretty easily. So, I don't know. Again, I, I think I'm really interested to see how these quarterbacks play and how the defense is. I, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game first week anyway. I'm just excited to see this uh, game. I'm in the same place. I think
2: that it's going to be a very high-scoring game, Trey. Uh To me, I think also what you're going to see is, yeah, the Hamilton Tiger Cats are going to pick apart that secondary a little bit. It's not a very uh, uh, veteran uh, secondary. Nelson Lacombo is being talked about to possibly even go back there a little bit uh, into the safety spot or just into. uh, And the other one also is, like I say, you've lost Ed Ganey, you've lost Luches Purifoy. That takes a little bit of time. to to develop into a secondary, into a decent place. So to me, I think you're gonna see a very high scoring game out of this. Uh, It's gonna come down to probably maybe even the kickers. And I think Saskatchewan has the advantage in that, but those Australian kickers, you never know about them. Third thing that I could see out of this game here that's been talked about a little bit, and this again, I'm sorry for Hamilton fans. I hope I can get uh, a little bit more to you in depth next week. The Saskatchewan Rough Riders have two running backs right now as well, just like uh, Winnipeg. You've got Frankie Hickson, and you do have uh, Jamal Morrow. I think both are capable running backs. However, uh, Jamal Morrow does offer that uh, little bit of a kickoff return capability. Uh, Do you see that uh, one of them maybe will stand out over the other, or do you think that they're just both going to be probably equal and they probably get about equal reps.
0: It's hard to say, right? I think early in the season, uh, you know, when when you've got new guys taking over at a role, I think you're going to see a bit of of both, a bit of a feeling out party. Much like I said with the running backs in Winnipeg, I think you're going to see, you know, uh, maybe a bit of a rotation or one guy gets the start until he messes up, then another guy goes in and kind of rotate that way until you find what sticks. Uh, I don't know. Do you feel it differently, Trey?
1: No, I agree with that. Uh, I'm just curious. What's Keenan LaFrance's role on the team? They have him on their roster to Adam.
2: Yeah, I just, I'm not sure what exactly the story is there. I mean, he's done returns before. Um, I would think maybe he's going to dress more as a returner and special teams guy but I don't know where he's going to probably get in there as a running back, to be honest with
1: you. No, I just wasn't sure if uh, the rider's depth chart was out and I didn't know if it was maybe a Canadian thing where I don't know, but yeah, I I would split it with those two guys. If uh, you know, they're kind of on, you're uncertain on it. And like, we just talked about the bombers. If one guy takes, takes the bull by the horns and that's your guy. And if you need both guys and, Hey, you got two comp like I like I really like having two running backs on the field. That's one of my favorite formations on Madden. Because you just got so much speed out there and you got so much stuff you can do. So I, I, it's not really a done a lot in the CFL, but I I want to see both guys get their touches. And yeah, hopefully Keenan LaFrance is on the field because
0: I, I used to like him.
1: For me, the big thing with yeah. the running backs
0: in Saskatchewan is not the individual players themselves. It's how Jason Moss uses them because William Powell was as good of a running back as you can get. And you know, I know I say, I feel like I say this every time we talk about the riders, but it's true that uh, he really wasn't used to the full potential. They could have, I think you've got uh, a, a great player with a lot of speed and Jamal Morrow, who showed some flashes and return duties last year. Give him the ball, put the ball in his hand, give him a screen pass here and there. Let him, you know, make moves with the ball. Uh, to me, the big, the all eyes are on Jason Moss in that offensive game plan.
2: No, I have to agree. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter which court running back you have in, and that's a very good point, Ryan. Uh, Jason Moss has not been traditionally a, or a, a coach that calls a lot of running plays. That being said, he was a quarterback. I can see why he doesn't. But, again, yeah, we had William Powell, and he was definitely one of the best running backs around. It wasn't his fault that Jason Moss didn't call the play to put him in the, in the spotlight. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with Saskatchewan on on calls, but uh, yeah, that's the that's the game. Uh, first game on Saturday night. Our second game of the night is a doubleheader, and of course, the BC Lions are opening up uh, BC Place Stadium. Uh, they've got everything uncovered, and they're going to be taking on the Edmonton Elks. Uh, I think the first thing is, unfortunately, or fortunately in this case, is a little bit off off uh, field stuff. What do you guys think of uh, them bringing a band in, like One Republic? And I guess um, 30-plus thousand seats sold for the game. So big start for them. And uh, what kind of band would you like to see come in for a pregame, either in Winnipeg or in another stadium?
1: Uh, Yeah, so I like this game because they both have – like BC's got under new management as well, right? And Edmonton, we all know victor cooey so i think it's very interesting game and it's great to see the upper deck uh as someone i've only been to one game at bc place and it was a great cup i didn't really pay attention to the upper deck never being open uh so it's a great thing to see and uh bc is one of those fan bases too that they i feel like they need to be good to be relevant because again when i went to the great cup there uh a lot of people asked me hey why are you guys all wearing these jerseys a lot of people in the city didn't know um and i just you know so I really like to see that. Um, and then the other point was the band. That's great. I'm actually a little like, I, I understand BC wants to bring it in. Why don't you have something on the th- opening Thursday CFL, right? You should have something like, you know, maybe every team should almost have something. And it's kind of the way the world's going. You know, um, if you pay attention to USFL, I think their championship game got trace Atkins. He's going to be opening it up, you know, big country singer, I believe. And, uh, I, and then if you just watch the soccer the year wave i believe they had a halftime show for like one of the first times ever it was kind of weird to soccer fans so it's the way the world's going um now if you ask me my band ugh, that's a tough one i got uh i'm kind of a country guy so i guess i would lean that way but i know that doesn't how everyone goes uh you know the bombers got their house band i'm pretty content with just listening to them at halftime
0: what about you ryan Yeah, I'm not really the one to be speaking on uh, musical acts being brought in, because I'm not a huge music listener myself. Like, I'm a podcast listener when I drive anywhere, you know, when I'm doing something, listening to podcasts uh, myself, uh, such as great podcasts like this. Um, You know, fun fact, I've never been to a concert in my life. I mean, I've seen musical acts at football games and stuff. I've never been to a concert. So, It's not something that appeals to me necessarily, but it doesn't have to appeal to me. It's about bringing in the people who want to come and see those types of things. So, uh, you know, in terms of which act I would like to see, I, I think I would just say I would like to see a variety of acts to bring in different types of fans. You know, you have the TSN broadcasts reusing the same song over and over every commercial break all season long. You have you know, things like that. I would like to see more diversity in the the type of music and things like that to bring in more crowds. And, you know, just in general on the Lions and the attendance for this game, I am super pumped to see that because we've done so much hyping up of Victor Cooey and what he's done in Edmonton. But, uh, you know, new BC Lions owner Amar Doman has uh, done a great job with the Lions as well. And a uh, big name act uh, for week one. And, you know, uh, an exciting uh, start to the year here for the Lions. You'll have to see it.
2: Yeah, no, I uh, I just like hearing that BC Lions are doing good and that there's people going to fill that stadium. Uh, we're going to hear the drum pounding in the corner like we always do. And, uh, no, it'll be a fun time in Winnipeg. Uh, go, or Winnipeg. Well, it's always fun in Winnipeg, but it's also fun in BC going forward. So, yeah, no, uh, a band probably that I would like to hear play is not really a band, but an artist. Wouldn't it be cool to see Drake do a pregame show in Toronto? I mean, let's face it, the guy is pretty much uh, Toronto's son. You'd think that uh, he should be maybe uh, going to a game like Toronto Argonaut game. And if he did a concert, I guarantee that there'd be a pretty good turnout just for that. And then, you know, stick around for a pretty good football game.
1: No, I, I uh, really like the idea. I'm thing- sorry, I just want to touch on that. I really like that idea because I hate how the Raptors have them and they're owned by the same company. Like you just, you know, and maybe Drake's not an Argo guy. You never know. But yeah, like getting him to, even just, even if he just sits at a game, like why is he not there? Like I think he's a partner or a part employee of MLSE now, like brand ambassador for the Raptors. And like, you know, it's, I'm not a huge basketball fan, but I get kicks out of it when he's on the sideline and he's jeering the other team and he's giving high fives to the Raptors. You're telling me that something like that would not get young people into the game, and it doesn't necessarily need to be Drake. You know, it could be anybody in any city. You know, like as a bomber fan, it's great seeing dancing game. Like, you know what I mean? You need somebody who's that person, and I really like that idea, Adam. You should, uh, you should send that to Randy.
2: I'll, uh, I'll attempt to maybe send that over to Randy, but maybe I should also send it to Larry, too, instead of, uh, you know, having a few complaints. Anyways, I'll get off of that. And, uh, yeah, I'll go on to uh, the big uh, storyline in this game. And, I mean, I think it's probably the biggest storyline of the week is that Canadian Nathan Rourke is your starting quarterback for the BC Lions, backed up by Michael O'Connor, uh, a UBC Thunderbird uh, graduate. So we've got two Canadians, one behind the other, starting as quarterback in BC. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that?
0: I'll set the over underline for number of times Nathan Rourke is mentioned on the broadcast to about 387 in the first half alone, because literally everything about this game is going to be about Nathan Rourke. And I think we saw that a little bit in the preseason games as well. Every single play I feel like for this guy is going to be critiqued and what does this mean for his development and things like that. Um, I'm so excited to see him play in this game. I'm very, I I love this approach that BC took at the quarterback position. I've mentioned this before on the podcast. It's, I like, I like that it's a unique approach to it. Uh, spend a little there, spend more elsewhere. And uh, you know, Great way to grow the game, get a Canadian quarterback involved. I really like to see it, and I'm excited to see. I don't know what to expect from him necessarily in week one, but I think I'm expecting good things out of him. Uh, what's your take, Trey? No, I expect good things,
1: too, and just talking about how good it's for the league. You know, Dave Naylor not too long ago tweeted, uh, stats guru Steve Daniel dug up that in 71 years, that's the first time a starting Canadian and backup quarterback has started. First time ever since the CFL was formed in 58. So in the league that we like to brag, that's historic and we do all these things. We've never had two quarterback Canadian quarterbacks uh, starting one, two. You know, that alone, again, we're talking about what builds the game Um As a young kid, you know, I remember growing up kind of thinking I couldn't be the quarterback, you know, always watching an American quarterback. I had to be get bigger and be an O-line or be a kicker or something. But now seeing these guys do it, it's great to see. And um, I hope the best for them. You know, BC, again, is not high in my list overall. But if I was proven wrong by any team, this is the team I really hope proves me wrong the most just uh, for the Canadian quarterback aspect.
2: No, I agree. I mean, let's face it. I'm sure there's lots of quarterbacks that I've seen out of the U of S and U of R, Noah Pickton. Uh, We've seen uh, great quarterbacks come out of the U of S all the time. Uh, I've watched Hilltop games where there's a guy, there's the odd guy that should probably have a starting and a professional career. You know what? I'm excited for all of them now, because when you see a quarterback in the CFL starting, And actually going to uh, have a chance to prove himself. And you know what? If he doesn't work out, there's another Canadian quarterback right behind him uh, who's tried to, has been around now for a little while. And let's face it, I still remember when Brandon Bridge came into this league and the first thing he was told was, hey, how would you like to be a receiver? You know what? You don't hear that with those guys. And Nathan Rourke seems to be one of those guys that he kind of, you know what? He reminds me a little bit of what Mike Riley did when he came in. I remember a a year ago, Nathan Rourke had that one series in the fourth quarter uh, with the BC Lions to kind of prove himself. And you know what? scored a touchdown. I think that Nathan Rourke is going to have a long, long storied career in the CFL. And I really hope that uh, BC has the pieces in place uh, like that offensive line, which I'm still a little nervous about uh to actually show that they can uh, they can do what they they say they're gonna do so yeah that's the uh, the story with nathan Rourke. there the third thing is chris jones is back in the cfl of course he's probably going to be wearing a black uh you could probably book this one as a guaranteed lock if you're going to be doing fantasy like we're going to be doing later that he's going to be wearing his black turtle deck on the side behind if he doesn't i'll be utterly surprised uh, Chris Jones what do you guys think what have you guys seen and what are you guys thinking of uh, what are you thinking of Edmonton's defense going into this game here against the Lions
1: Yeah you know as you guys saw in our gr- our personal group chat when I first saw him on the field I had to send a picture of him cuz he was in the All Black you knew who he was and I was like I was. My kids were like, "What are you? Why are you pointing your camera at him?" And I was like, "I don't know. He's just a good guy. He's a good coach, man. I think he's gonna be good." I was really impressed with what Edmonton did against Winnipeg in the preseason, and we all know it's preseason. But I, I was really. They they didn't give much time to the Winnipeg offense, and I, I like their chances this year. Um, I think they're on that bubble team, and I think a big win to start the season against the division rival
0: is uh, just what they need. Ryan. Yeah, we all talk about the Chris Jones effect uh, on the defense and, you know, that this defense is going to be stellar because Chris Jones defenses are like when I look at the depth chart for this defense, it doesn't jump off the page to me in terms of the depth on the field, but you have that Chris Jones effect on it, right? And and I'm intrigued to see how long that takes to take effect. You know, are we going to see the full on, you know, stingy defense here in week one? I'm not sure we are. I think it's uh, it's something that's going to take a couple weeks uh, to come into place here. But, uh, you know, Chris Jones, uh, knock him all you want for, you know, uh, bouncing around between different teams and different jobs and things like that. But he knows how to build a champion and coach a championship team. So uh, I think he's got the pedigree here to... Uh, Take this Elks roster and, uh, you know, turn it into a winner real quick here. Does it happen in week one necessarily? I'm not so sure. Uh, But as the season goes along, uh, I could be seeing some good things from them.
2: I know that he rotates through players quite a bit. I mean, right now, I think he's still probably short a corner with Deron Carter still sitting on the sidelines, probably for this game. It didn't sound very promising that he was going to play as well as also Aaron Grimes. I don't believe will play as well. Uh, That being said, I uh, I never could bet against Chris Jones after uh, watching him in, in Saskatchewan. Watching the turtleneck work, I mean, the guy is just a genius when it comes to defenses. I will be very surprised if Edmonton doesn't lead stats in at least one category uh, for defense this year. And if they do that, I think they're going to win some of those very close games that they lost earlier in the season. And, uh, yeah, I don't know about this one, but, hey, we'll see what happens here and see how it works on from there. And that's your week one Uh uh, anything else you guys think of that you really wanted to bring up for a highlight for week one? Uh, the only other thing I can really think of is, uh, yeah, just a lot of excitement and ready to roll and uh, a little bit of a nicer nicer start and should be ready to rumble. Uh, Trey, any other things that you're going to be watching for week one?
1: No, I think it's pretty good. I'm just really, uh... oh, here's a question here. I'll, I'll touch on that one. What do you guys expect from Arbuckle Lawler Connection? I think that would be a really, that's a good one to watch. Um, It's interesting to see if they get chemistry going. Uh, You know, we were talking about two that it's kind of weird that Arbuckle was the guy on the, on the hot, like on the way out. And now he seems to be the starter. Um, So that's a really interesting one. And that, and that's another quarterback. We're talking about short leashes earlier. Like how much of a leash does he have when he's got some, some guys behind him and someone else commented earlier about another Canadian quarterback, uh, same same McGarvey O2 commented earlier about the uh, Trey Ford being on the field so I think that's a really interesting thing because it's that tough thing if Lawler drops two or three in a row is that his fault is that Nick Arbuckle getting the getting yanked like it's it's an interesting thing to watch
0: yeah I think Chris Jones is the type of guy that uh is a no-nonsense type of guy if uh he sees something he doesn't like Chris Jones is going to change that right so I think maybe Edmonton is the team we see the shortest leash on the quarterbacks. So Nick Arbuckle, kudos to him. Did a great job in camp, did a great job in preseason, won the won the job against, you know, six, seven other guys in, in preseason. Uh now he's got to go out there and play well here in the first couple of weeks of the season to maintain that job. Uh let's move on to our uh CFL fantasy segment of this episode, uh, taking a look at the best options available for week number one. So uh, for those who don't know or uh, don't remember, uh, last season, uh, on top of this podcast, I ran a uh, YouTube channel called the the Canadian Football Fantasy Fix, taking a look at the fantasy options in and out every single week. Uh, We've sort of migrated that over to this segment on the show. We're going to go through each of the positions and take a look at the options. And I've got charts. Uh, I brought the charts with to uh, to uh, go along with it. So we're going to take a look at the fantasy players available. We're going off the CFL Fantasy website. I know people play DraftKings, things like that. A lot of this applies to the same, even though the dollar values might be a little bit different. Uh, and You know, you talk about CFL Fantasy a lot of times, and people talk about, oh, who's the guy who's going to give me a 30-point week, 25-point week? You definitely want that but when you're playing in a league like the uh, like the official CFL fantasy website where you have you know you're working with cap space you can only fill your lineup so much uh, I choose to look at it a different way of are you getting the proper bang for your buck the proper value so I came up with what I call the CFL fantasy valuable production model which is essentially you know if you look at fantasy standings each week throughout the year you can get 100 points, you're really in the upper echelon of fantasy players. So, you know, taking trying to get a 100 point week, you've got $40,000 to spend, what it boils down to is if for every $1,000 you spend, if you can get two and a half points out of your players, you're hitting that 100 point week. So as we go through it this week, and every week on the podcast, go through the fantasy options and talk through them, you'll see here in my charts, you know, how much is it going to how many points is it going to take for this player to hit? their full value here on the podcast uh, if you're listening to the audio version of the podcast feed go over to youtube check out the video version as well so you can follow this all along as well if that's something that interests you so let's start off guys by taking a look at the quarterback options for week number one here are your starters here's the prices listed for them on the screen as well. The most expensive one is Vernon Adams Jr. at over $12,000, all the way down to Nick Arbuckle, the cheapest, at $7,185. You know, you look at some of these guys like Vernon Adams Jr., Jeremiah Mazzoli, I'm kind of surprised Cody Fajardo is the third most expensive on the list. Like, Based on numbers we saw last season from quarterbacks, I'm personally staying away from any of these top name guys here. Even if they have a great game, 300 yards, three touchdowns, they're not hitting 300 points unless they're pitching in a couple rushing touchdowns. I think there's more value elsewhere. To me, the two best quarterback plays of the week, Dane Evans, $7,553 this week to hit his two-and-a-half-point threshold. You need to get about 19 points from him. I think that's very doable. We talked earlier on the podcast about uh, Saskatchewan's defense uh, a little bit and uh, you know uh, how I think there's room to exploit that there. I think Dane Evans is very capable of hitting that number. I also like Nathan Rourke at 72.50 this week for an 18.1. Rourke uh, is a guy who runs well, and that picks you up points in fantasy. That picks you up yards. He maybe gets in for a rushing touchdown there, and I'm excited to see what we see from the kid. So uh, if you're looking at quarterbacks for week one, my recommendation is go with one of those two guys. Uh, How about you guys? Who stands out to you at the quarterback position as a fantasy option this week? Uh, Adam, let's start with you.
2: Uh, you know who I'm looking at right now is I'm still, I, I know that this is what you're, uh, what the, what the charts tell me and let's face it as an analytics guy, it's great. I still have a feeling with Cody Fajardo this week, just because it's at a home game. The guy wants to prove himself. Uh, he's got those two, uh, I, what do you call unreadable Unrateable assets like running and can really do it well. And also has that last minute, uh, ability to, uh, to make a good throw Not a time he hits on a crossbar, but that's a different story. Uh, nevertheless, I think that I'm going to go with Cody Fajardo so far this week. Uh, like I say, I think there's probably maybe better options out there, but I just, I just have a feeling about him, especially with the running uh, ability of Cody Fajardo.
1: I kind of agree. I find this interesting, the salary. I wonder how it's like it's calculated like, I guess it's also a fantasy points projected. Like if you told me Vernon Adams Jr. Was going to be the most expensive quarterback, I would have, I would be kind of surprised, but I, I agree. You don't really, I'm kind of going through mine right now as you're talking about it, kind of seeing what I did and kind of looking at your chart here. Like I had Caleros cause he was cheap and like cheaper, not the most expensive, but you are right with the points. And now I'm trying to, I'm having some uh, difficulty with my running backs, trying to fit it in the salary cap. So, there's a couple of guys out there that I would definitely go with. I'm, you know, thinking towards Dane Evans. Maybe go with Nathan Rourke and hope he has a you know five touchdown game to kind of kick off his season. So it's very interesting. I I'm I'm very new to this salary uh system. So it's gonna be a learning curve for me this year.
0: Yeah, and if you really want to save money at the quarterback position, if you want the sleeper, the sleepiest of sleeper picks for week one, go with a guy. Like Dakota Prukop or Trey Ford, backup quarterbacks. You're, if you if you stop listening to the podcast right now, I understand, but I hope you I hope you hear me out here. Um, you know, these are guys at 25 dollars salaries in CFL fantasy for the week. You know, to get you your full two and a half points per thousand you spend, you need six, maybe seven points. I think it is out of these guys. Rushing touchdown gets you six. You get Dakota Prukop for a one-yard touchdown plunge. He's basically hitting value for a cheap quarterback, and then you can spend your money elsewhere. Especially last season, we saw a lot of times quarterbacks just weren't valuable. Now it's a risky play for sure, and you got to bank on your other positions hitting it uh, as well. But if you ever feel like taking a risk at quarterback and want some cap flexibility. Hey, there are options like that available. Let's take a look at the list of running backs for the week here. Uh, you know, Kadim carries the most expensive at 8785 all the way down to the cheapest starting running back for the week, Devontae Williams of the Ottawa Red Blacks. William Powell, uh, I believe, is not ready to go for Friday night's game and sounds like he will not be playing, which means you get a $2,500 starting running back in fantasy. Like, 6.3 points is basically what you're hoping to get out of him for that. That's 60 rushing yards. Uh, you've got a running back in a Paul Apple offense who's bound to get a catch or two in there. It's a point per reception. Like to me, that's a lock in if I can spend that little at running back. Uh, so I like the cheap play there from Devonte Williams uh, of the upper echelon running backs on the list here. I do like Kadim Carey. I have high hopes for him this season. Uh, I, I really like that, uh, that point total for him. I think 22 might be slightly high, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility, especially if he gets involved in the receiving game. That's what it comes down to for running backs for me, really, each week is who is going to be catching the ball because one 10-yard re- reception is the same as a 20-yard run, basically, in fantasy. So overall, the options I'm kind of looking at, Kadim Carey, if I can afford him. I like Devontae Williams. Also like James Butler quite a bit. He was with the top fantasy running back the final three weeks of the season last year. Maybe some nerves for Nathan Rourke in week number one, perhaps, eased by, you know, giving the ball to James Butler a little bit more here. $6,835. You need 17 points out of him. Yeah, I could see him. Uh, I, I feel decent about that number from James Butler uh who stands out to you guys at the running back position let's go to you first Trey
1: well what first stands out at me is why is Andrew Harris not on this list Uh, he's on a bye week this week all Uh, my stupid head right that makes sense okay yeah nine teams I was like I'm looking I'm like okay why is Harris not on here but uh no I like uh I like what's going on uh I like what you're saying. Again, it's a tough the running back position in fantasy. Again, I'm more used to the NFL Yahoo Sports traditional fantasy, and uh, running backs are what make and break your team. You know, you have a guy in there who gets one touch and he gets like half a point, or you get the guy who's like you know 20 for uh to 170 yards and three touchdowns and a catch. You know, it it, it really changes your game. So that's why I'm I'm again kind of reevaluate some things like are running backs. I'd, I'd go in the more of the middle pile, like Jamal Moro, Brandy Oliveira. I know there's guys that aren't going to get a lot of the touches and maybe split, but, you know, it, again, you get splitting it up. You might get more receptions. You might get some touchdowns. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Adam, what about you?
2: No, I'm in the same boat, uh, sort of. Uh, my thing is I like to always take one very expensive court, uh, running back, Uh, and one that you know is going to get you some yards. Uh, In this case, this week, I'm really looking at William Stanback. I think that he's going to come into Montreal. I don't think uh, Vernon Adams is going to probably try to lean on him a little bit to get some yards moving and try to make that pass a little bit shorter, uh, just because last week he didn't really have a great week with interceptions. I think Standback's going to be a big piece of what Montreal does this week. The other piece that I'm very interested in, now there's two things on this that I'm going to bring up. One, Brady Oliveira, uh against a team that doesn't really like to uh run block very well uh in ottawa is probably a huge deal uh is a very good value pick right now uh that being said i think he's gonna put time though with joggy johnny augustini and that could affect your value a little bit there uh same thing also in saskatchewan uh from the interview today that I heard from uh, uh, Craig Dickinson, sounds like Jamal Morrow and Frankie Hickson, who's probably 2,500 bucks is uh, going to probably uh, be splitting time in the backfield. So if Jamal Morrow all of a sudden needs a break, or if uh, Frankie Hickson, uh is starts uh, getting hot, he's going to be in there for quite a bit. So for 2,500 bucks, he may not be a bad pick also though, Ryan, I do like your idea though. If you do run a real good value guy that you know is going to be in there lots. there Devontae Williams is probably a very good pick for the Ottawa Redblacks. also this week.
0: Yeah, that's the big thing, right? You mentioned the time split between those guys is, uh, you know, Oliveira, Augustine, they're both around uh, just under $4,500 this week. You need around 10, 11 points out of them to hit value. That's tough to do if you're splitting time because take receptions out of it. You know, you're looking at needing to get 100 yards rushing. I'm not sure either of them does. And uh, I like that you mentioned William Stanback. For me, I really want to see Montreal use him more in that passing game this year because he's so expensive in fantasy that a lot of times he's actually not worth it, I find, because, you know, looking to get 20.6 points out of him, that's either a 200-yard rushing day if you're not involved in the passing game or uh, 140 yards in the touchdown uh, there, so... Tough to hit those big numbers. That's why I like what Trey was saying uh, about, you know, kind of looking middle of the pack there for the running backs a lot of times as well. And we go to the position where you often find a lot of value, which is the wide receivers. I've got it broken up by team here. We'll go through, you know, what I think is, is and what you guys think is kind of the best play per team uh, here at receiver. Let's start with the Montreal Calgary game. Take a look at both of these teams. Uh, the big ones for Montreal, Eugene Lewis, Jake Winicky are, are your two high priced ones. And to me, the one that really jumps out is Jake Winicky, who's $2,000 cheaper than Eugene Lewis is. And I think they're, I would put them as equals because those touchdowns are huge. Winicky is a uh, touchdown machine. And uh, I think an $8,000 price point for uh, Jake Winicky is a really attractive fantasy option for a higher-priced receiver. Uh, in terms of low-priced ones, too, I like Reggie White Jr. and what he did down the stretch for Montreal and uh, is in a starting role there. Uh, let's take a look at Calgary, and then I'll get your guys' opinions on these two teams as well. Uh, you've got same thing there. Reggie Bagleton, over $11,000. Kamar Jordan just under 10,000 uh, and then it drops off the next most expensive is Richie Sandania, just under 4,000. You got a lot of, uh, you know, really low priced receivers here. honestly, I don't love any of the options for Calgary because it's a team that spreads the ball around so much to like seven different receivers a game. Uh, I think Bagleton is going to be a huge player this year. But I don't know if he's hitting 28 fantasy points on a consistent basis. So if you're locking in $11,000 there for Bagleton and he's not producing near what you like there, yeah, that might be a tough sell. The only one I would maybe consider is Malik Henry or Sean Bain, depending who takes the uh, the return duties and gets some, some receptions, some return yards here for Calgary. Uh, Montreal and Calgary, uh, who stands out to you guys, uh, Adam? Uh, muted.
2: That's okay. Sorry about that. Uh, anyways, I'm going to go in Montreal's side of things. Uh, I really would like to uh, I take a look. I think he's dressed for tomorrow night. Is Chandler worthy? Uh, not a bad pick. Had some big, big points last year when he was hot. He was hot. When he wasn't, he wasn't. But uh, for the $5,600 he costs... I think that he'd probably be a good pickup because I think there's other pay- players that you probably want to take a look at later on uh, in the week. Uh, but yeah, for Montreal, let's go with Chandler Worthy. And for the Calgary Stampeders, I think that somebody's finally got to have a prove-me game and prove-it game. And that's uh, Kamara Jordan. I don't really like the price tag, to be honest with you, at 9700 bucks but I do like the uh the player himself and I've seen him have some huge games if there's gonna be a prove me game this is it uh kamar Jordan might go off I think on uh, Thursday night
1: yeah these are two teams that I stayed away from just because again like if you look at Calgary like the two top guys are so much money and then it just drops off and teams that spread it out. Uh, all right, this team's a one that spreads it out traditionally. And same with Montreal. I feel like they're I, I don't even know who to tell you to stand So, Like I guess I'd go Kamar Jordan or something like that too, if I had the space, but I, I just had to stay away from these two teams. I wasn't feeling confident with them. I the just same. wanted
2: to mention I just wanted to mention too that I didn't pick any of these teams. Either of these teams. These are the two that I, if you wanna pick them, those might be okay.
0: I should mention as well, I haven't fully set my lineup yet. I'll probably, I, I've started to, I'll probably change it 75 times before kickoff uh, on Thursday night. And and then again, after kickoff Thursday night with the remaining players in the lineup. Uh, but a lot of interesting options to consider. Let's look at the receivers from the second game. Interesting plays here, uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, who knows what to expect from them in their first uh, game with this new unit, Jalen Acklin, their top priced receiver at 68.42, all the way down to uh Justin Hardy at $2,500, who I believe was uh impressing a, a decent amount in preseason. You have to check the depth charts there, but we've got a number of injuries. Ryan Davis, I think, is out on the six game injured list. Newly brought in Tavon Smith, also on the six game injured list. Uh, I realize now I'm missing Darvin Adams from the list here for Ottawa. I'm not sure, uh, not sure how that happened on the charts I have here up on the video version. But, uh, you know, the most intriguing play for Ottawa to me is Jalen Acklin. 6800 uh, upper middle priced receiver. You're looking to get 17 points out of him to hit his full value price based on my models. And uh, he's got the connection with Jeremiah Mazzoli. And Mazzoli's first game in Ottawa... I expect him to go in Ackland's direction quite a bit, so I, I like that play. It's one of the top ones I'm considering in that middle uh, price at receiver. On the other end of the matchup, you got a lot of interesting options with Winnipeg here. Uh, newly brought in Greg Ellingson had a great training camp, supposedly. Uh, I was reading today. You know, he was. Uh, he feels very comfortable here in Winnipeg. He's reunited with Zach Cuyleros. Could he be the top receiver for the Bombers? I don't know if I'm going at that price for week one for Ellingson in the new role. I want to see what maybe a little more from him at over $8,000. Uh, but the, uh, you, then you get into Bailey, Dembski, you know, two middle priced guys. The hard thing with Winnipeg is Zach Caleros threw over 300 yards once last season. So there's not a ton of receiving yards to go around. And if the players are getting up there in price, it's hard to buy in on it. You got to make sure you hit that touchdown. I like the value play. Dalton shown at $2,500 for the Bombers should be able to slide into the starting lineup, I think, based on their uh, their preseason. And, uh, hey, he gets in there for a couple of catches. He's hitting value. He has a big game. Value is skyrocketed, and you're making bank there uh, from the value play. Uh, Trey, what do you think of this matchup?
1: Oh, I agree. And you took my uh, – what I was going to say, Dalton shown is my – I only have two bombers on my roster as of now, and one's the defense and the other one is him. So I, I would definitely take him a uh, value play. I, I'm really, cause again, I wasn't sure uh, if you would get your value with the other guys. Uh, again, this is a team that can, you know, spread it out a little bit. Yeah. You got some big name targets, but there's real, no huge deep threat. So I feel like they're going to spread the ball around a lot. And again, with the running backs and stuff. So, I think Dalton shows the way to go with Winnipeg and with Ottawa. If, again, yeah, I I I don't like uh, advertising something I wouldn't buy, so that's why I wasn't saying who wasn't on my roster, but I would go probably with Darvin Adams. Uh, I think he was only at 5200, yeah, 5200 right now on the list. So, you know, he kind of fits into that middle of the group. I'm actually surprised he's not more. I don't think he'd be I wouldn't put him like way higher, but that could be a def- decent one too. So, if you're going to go a kind of comparison with uh Ryan Davis, who's a similar price, you know, it's kind of, he'd fit in there. And I think, uh, I think he would sit well, Adam, what about you?
2: So I've got two guys actually from uh, one from each of these teams. And you just mentioned one of them, Uh, Darvin Adams, $5,200 is a very good price for the guy. Uh, As long as he can get the football, he'll get some good yards. And uh, I think he averaged very good last year uh, in uh, fantasy. The other one that I picked up actually from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is uh, Nick Dembski. Uh, Had an excellent year last year. Had a lot of points on average last year and uh, just was a very good player. I think $6,500 is still fairly reasonable for him. You know he's going to be on the field a lot because he's one of those starting Canadians and he has to be on the field a lot for that case. Uh, To me, I think that I really like to pick up Nick Dembski in uh, in this week, especially against Ottawa kind of was again suspect in the secondary
0: last season yeah no those are those are great points on those guys as well uh let's move on to our third game in week number one uh Hamilton and Saskatchewan from the Ticats side of things you got Braylon Addison at almost $11,000 one of the most expensive receivers in the game then you've got a couple of middle-priced guys Tim White St- Stephen Dunbar Jr. Uh, around 6,500 for Tim White, around 5,500 for Dunbar Jr. I like both of these potential plays, hitting 16 points and 13.9. We talked a little about, you know, the Riders secondary. Maybe things open up for, for the Tie cats here. Uh, these are guys that are going to have an even bigger role in the offense this year than they had last year. If you look at your starting offense, you're probably looking at Addison, White, Dunbar, Uh, Poppy White getting in there, a cheap value play, David Ungerer, you know, something like that. I think they're going to lean heavily on Addison, Tim White, and Dunbar Jr. So uh, looking at uh, them compared to a lot of the middle value plays, I I, I like them. I I think right now I have Tim White slotted into my lineup. I I like that play there for Hamilton. On the riders side of things, uh, there is a lot to like here. Uh Duke Williams, 9,826. You're looking for around 25 points from. I usually consider those high salaries. I try to stay away from them a little bit, but I, I find it really hard to do so because I'll say this the bank on this, at least one reception of over 30 yards from Duke Williams this week. I, I think is gonna try to air that ball out and it's going in William Williams' direction if he does. So I like that as one of the if you're looking for a very high point receiver. And I think one of the best value locks you can put in your lineup for the week is Keon Schaefer-Baker at uh, just under $4,000. You don't even need – you just need 10 points to have a successful week from Schaefer-Baker. That's four catches for 60 yards. I, I, I That's very manageable to me, even if he falls a little short. It doesn't hurt your lineup too much. Uh, Adam, your riders here, uh, who do you like uh, from them and from the Thai Cats?
2: Well, from the uh, Rough Riders, you nailed it right on the head. I'm going to go with uh, Keon Schaefer-Baker. $3,900 for a guy that can make amazing catches and can do some yak yards afterwards. That's a no-brainer for me. I mean, Keon Schaefer-Baker is just a great, great pick right there. Duke Williams, I think, is a little expensive right now. I mean, let's face it. We've seen what Brandon Banks was worth back in the day. Uh, so you never know. Maybe that's not that bad. And there's going to be some guys, I'm sure, that will try to figure out how to fit Duke Williams in their lineup. And I don't blame him. I'm sure, he, like you just said, Ryan, uh, Cody definitely probably will be hitting uh, downfield pretty quickly. Another guy maybe to think about, though, would be Shaq Evans just as a little bit of a cheaper pick from Duke Williams. Uh, not a bad pickup as well. 5400 definitely definitely $4,000 less. And uh, you get probably not much of a drop-off uh, just because those are going to be your top two, top three receivers in, uh, in Saskatchewan. Over on the Hamilton side, uh, I would think probably you're going to see a lot of, uh, gee, my brain, I just had it here. Just give me one moment. Uh, Can you throw that one back up there for me? I I really like the look of Tim White last year. Uh, He had a decent season. He had pretty good reception yards. I'm not sure about that price, though. Uh, I'm not taking him, but – Like I said, Tim White might be an interesting choice just because of the injury to Lamar Durant. I know Hamilton had some real thoughts on putting him in and having him in quite a bit. Uh, But yeah, Tim White might be an option for Hamilton if you're a cat fan.
1: No, I agree with uh, with Shaq Evans. That's actually who I slotted in on my second receiver spot. So I had the same thought as you, you know, way cheaper price than Duke Williams and you know according to that list right there he's the second you know second expensive t- uh, re- receiver on the riders so I felt like he was the right choice um if you went to Hamilton as of now that my quarter because nothing's locked in I do have Dane Evans kind of sitting in my spot because again I feel like this might be a team who spreads it around a little bit I would not spend 10,000 on anything let alone a fantasy player um So, and then everyone else down, I think the ball might get spread around a a fair chunk. So again, I wouldn't necessarily go with receiver, but
0: Dane Evans is on my short list for my starting quarterback this week. All right, let's move on to the final game of the week, the Edmonton Elks and the BC Lions. Uh, One funny thing to note is that you can pick Deron Carter in CFL fantasy for the Edmonton Elks as a wide receiver. I would highly recommend not doing so because, A, he's injured. B, he will not be playing receiver unless Chris Jones changes his mind mid-game, which, let's be real, is always a possibility. Uh, He is listed as a defensive back, I believe, at safety. Uh, But you can pick him in fantasy. I don't recommend wasting almost $6,000 on that. Kenny Lawler clocks in at almost $10,000. I'm not willing to go that direction this early either. Lawler had a great year last year in Winnipeg. I want to see what he does in the system in Edmonton before I'm paying that kind of price for him. Uh, you got a lot of receivers in Edmonton that are interesting, middle-of-the-pack ones. You know, Manny Arsenault, Caleb Hawley. It's been a long time for both of them since they've been in regular season action. Don't really like the direction there on those guys. Two that intrigued me for Edmonton, Darrell Walker, $5,798 last season was a dismal season for Darrell Walker. He started the year at about $8,000, $9,000 price wise and dropped to, I think, 4000 by season's end because he was just not putting up the fantasy points. That game that came here to Winnipeg in the preseason, uh, Nick Arbuckle went to him three straight times, I think it was, in the first quarter. So I'm looking maybe is there a connection and a bounce back year for Darrell Walker. I don't mind taking a chance on that price. Uh, the other is, depending on the depth chart, Jalen Marshall also looked good in the preseason. He's only $2,500, so a cheap potential play there. From the BC side of things, you got some interesting picks. You've got, of course, Brian Burnham and Lucky Whitehead are your top two receivers, but they're going to cost you over $9,000. Same thing there, you know, kind of the trend this week. What do we expect from Nathan Rourke? Hard to tell a little bit. Do you want to lock in one of these guys? You have to think if Rourke's going to have a good game. It's going to involve one or two of these guys having big weeks, but I'm not sure it's 23, 24-point weeks out of them. Uh, you know, a lot of BC's receivers are kind of high in price. Javon is middle of the pack at 5,500. He had a couple good games last year, but disappeared from the offense a couple of times. I think the price is slightly high, but I'm excited, very excited to see what we see from Dominique Rhines. 1,000-yard receiver with Ottawa came over to BC, struggled last season, went down due to injury, came back down the stretch, lit it up. I, it's tempting if you're looking for a BC receiver to ta- to stack with Nathan Rourke for me to go that direction. But, again, the price is a little high. Around the same price, I'd probably lean Tim White like I talked about earlier. Uh, Trey, what do you think on uh, Edmonton and BC fantasy options?
1: Yeah, BC was that another one that I kind of thought to stay away from because the uncertainty of Nathan Rourke. If I had to pick one, I'd probably go with yeah, Dominique Rhymes. Again, stay a little lower. Lucky Whitehead, yeah, he's got speed and he can get some big yards. And you know, we do we all know he's a dynamic player. But I don't, for that price, I'm not too sure. But he went to Edmonton. Uh, I do like trying to have one higher priced pick, and I did go with Kenny Lawler. I did go with him. Um, I did want to put Deron Carter, but that would have just been for you know. For uh for laughs, but um I would pro- Kenny Lawler's the guy that I think I'm would willing to risk spending because there's no reason having extra salary cap at the end of the week, so he was kind of my guy, uh, my big pick there. Adam, one guy that I'm very intrigued and I was almost almost tempted to pick him
2: on our fantasy draft, but I just don't have enough information on him. Is actually a BC Lion, and it's not somebody that you would think of. That's not Lucky Whitehead. It's not Brian Burnham. It's Keon Hatcher. Last year had a very good season. Actually, a very quiet, sneaky good season. Had a lot of fantasy points. And only 3150 bucks right now. I mean, to me, I'm very tempted to take him. But again, I'm just not, I'm not sold completely on him yet. I want to see what happens later on uh, in the season here. But that's one uh, that I maybe would keep an eye on here, uh, if nothing else, for future. I uh, over on the Edmonton side, uh, there's not really much that excites me over here, to be honest with you. I I kind of was looking a little bit at Caleb Hawley uh, just because I know that he's had some uh, uh tough times over in Ottawa, but again, he's in a new place with a few pieces around him, he should blend in very well, and I think he might be able to get going this season, uh, especially uh, with that Edmonton uh, wide receiving core. Being a little more veteran, Caleb Hawley might be the guy that you might want to take a look at there. Darrell Walker, Manny Arsenal, I mean, yeah, he played in the IFL last year, but I just don't know what exactly he's coming in as. So really, I'm not going to probably take anybody probably from Edmonton or BC, but two guys to keep an eye on if you really want to for future uh, for the future maybe, Caleb Hawley and uh, Keon Hatcher.
0: Yeah, some good depth plays, value plays, cheaper options there. Let's take a look at the defenses quickly to round out the fantasy segment. Uh, Bit of a different look at the defenses, I guess, here at the start of the season price-wise because of the eight available this week, six are at the same price. So take your pick on which defense you think is the strongest. Of course, Winnipeg comes in at $4,400 is the most expensive. Warranted based on what we saw from them last season with record breaking defensive fantasy point totals, actually made it worth picking a defense more than a quarterback. Honestly, a lot of weeks last season. Um, Saskatchewan comes in next at 3261, so not much difference there. Uh, you know, points wise, expected value wise, uh, and then the rest of the field here at 3200. To me, two of the interesting defenses that maybe stand out here, I I like Calgary's. I really like having Trey Roberson in that defensive backfield. I I like their defensive line as well. I am a little nervous about the frustrated Vernon Adams Jr. we saw in the preseason. Uh, You know, can Calgary get on him? Problem is, Calgary didn't put up a ton of strong fantasy performances last season, so I'm not so sure there. BC, I really like their secondary. They're facing who I, the team I think might be the weakest at quarterback, which is the Elks and Nick Arbuckle. Kind of like some of those options, that option there. BC, I think those two teams are kind of the two I'm uh, I'm hemming and hawing over between BC and Calgary right now as the best fantasy options. Of course, Winnipeg as well if you've got the money for it, but. I don't know. To me, I'm a little skeptical on the injuries to Brandon Alexander, Mercy Maston, et cetera. Some of the pieces lost. Winston Rose out as well. A little skeptical on that secondary for Winnipeg right now. Also losing Steven Richardson, uh, who was big in the run game. So, uh, Trey, I don't know. What do you think here on on, on the defenses? Are you are you still looking Winnipeg's way possibly here? Or are you uh, taking one of those thirty-two hundred dollars ones? I think I'm going to stick with Winnipeg just for. I think I
1: think that to be worth the extra $1,200. Uh, I see your concerns. I, you know, I felt them too in the preseason. I'm going to feel them on Friday as well. But, you know, all you need is a nice pick six by uh, Willie Jefferson, or you know, tip ball there, fumble recovery by him, or Adam Big Hill forcing a fumble and or a couple fumbles, and your points start uh, pouring in. So. Like you said, Winnipeg, uh, that Winnipeg defense got you more points than some quarterbacks did. And again, f- that defense and fantasy is one of those uh, tricky things. You can get somebody that gets you zero points or negative points, or you can get someone who scores half your team points, right? So I'm going to go with Winnipeg. Uh, I really like their chances, and I'm just, I'm not sold on many other defenses in this league. I'm sure there's good ones. There will be good ones, and I hope they all make, uh, prove me wrong, but I'm going to go with Winnipeg. Adam?
2: Well, I've been debating this one for quite a while. And it's the main reason is because usually my pick was always uh, Saskatchewan and there was a reason behind that was because we had one heck of a good uh, uh, defensive secondary and they used to make a lot of points for me, but now I don't know. I I'd like to say, yes, they should still make some points for me. That linebacking course still looks crazy and that could cause some fumbles and some uh, chaos in the backfield. But, uh, and we still have a very, very good uh, defensive line with Garrett Marino in there, with uh, Charleston Hughes, who looks bigger and better than ever. Let's hope so. Uh, and also AJ uh, A.C. Leonard is uh, ready to go for t- this week. So at the moment, I'm probably still going to stick with Saskatchewan. But Ryan really said something interesting about the B.C. Lions. They definitely do have a lot of pieces that can Possibly make uh, Nick Garbuckle's life a very short one and a longer one on the bench if Taylor Cornelius has to come in, who also has a tendency of, like, to throw some picks. So, it's between Saskatchewan and BC. I'm, I'll am wait a little while to figure that one out.
0: Yeah, and it's tough, too, because uh, last year Ottawa had the top defensive uh, performance in Week 1 against Edmonton, and nobody saw that coming. They put up, like, 18 points or something in that game. Uh No, week one's a tough one when it comes to fantasy because you don't really have, you know, this year's game action from these rosters to go off of. But hopefully here we have uh, given you some options to consider at each of the positions as you get ready to set your fantasy roster. Of course, if you want to play CFL Fantasy alongside us, uh, you can join our public league over on the CFL Fantasy website. The link to that will be in the episode description. So go join us over there um and uh you know we have our fantasy league we did our fantasy draft a couple nights ago here on the podcast we'll be playing through that all season the three of us will also be playing in the the cfl podcast fantasy league that i'm running again this year i ran it ran it the last couple of years as i mentioned uh on our last show we're uh we're adding a charity twist to it this year so uh 17 of us going head to head of 17 of your favorite cfl podcasters a head-to-head league using the official CFL fantasy site and a schedule that I've generated. Uh, uh, we'll go in head-to-head matchups all season long. Playing, uh, I believe it's about three hundred and forty dollars going to the winner's charity of choice at the end of the year. So doing some good in the world while having some fun with fantasy football. Uh, week one matchups in that league, uh, Adam. You've got uh, Brazilian tie from the uh, the Two and Out CFL podcast. Trey's got uh, Andrew from the Turf District, and uh, I have uh, Oz from the uh, the Rouge, White, and Blue podcast. Uh, shout out to them for hitting 200 episodes with their most recent big milestone there. Uh, week one of CFL Fantasy. How are we feeling, boys?
2: I feel bad because, I mean, Brazilian ties team just lost to my team in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and now I've got to go in and take them on in, in fantasy. I mean, how fair is that? poor guy but he'll probably end up beating me anyways but nevertheless uh yeah no I'm feeling okay about it I uh I'm getting a little nervous about the team I drafted I think a little bit but that's probably because it's also uh day one of uh regular season or are gonna be soon to it and uh let's face it everybody has jitters in game one Trey what are you thinking
1: I got nerves This steal, Adam you know like I said, on our draft, in our draft, I got the kid I wanted, and it's going to be nothing but success. And in the in the podcast one, it's a very interesting one, and uh, you know, a lot of guys in there, and I'm I hope they don't hate me by the end of the year. That's all I'm going
0: to say. <laughs> well, it uh, should be a lot of fun, uh, and again, doing it for a good cause. Uh, well, to round out our week one preview. Uh, let's get into the betting content here. Uh, let's talk the best bets of the week. Trey's got them for us. Uh, let's take a look at the betting odds here, Trey. Where are we going first?
1: Well, you know what? First, this is a great weekend if you're a gambler. You got the Belmont stakes. If you're into ponies, you got UFC two seventy five, and football hands down is the best team sport to bet on. So um, yeah, I'm really excited to look at this. So first game of the week, we got Montreal at Calgary. Calgary's got a uh, is favored by three and a half. So, for people who don't know betting, that means you know, if you bet on Calgary with the point spread, they need to win by four for them to count as a win. And Montreal can lose by uh, three or less, and you'd still win the bet. I am gonna take Montreal. Um, you know, I think a field goal game is in the realm of possibility, and I actually think Montreal could easily outright win this one because I'm not high on Calgary, but. Watch Bull Levi have a 500-yard passing game and uh, win by 30, and that bet's going to look stupid. What do you guys think? Do you think a field goal game is in the realm of possibilities?
2: I think a field goal game's in the realm of possibilities, but I just don't know because I think that Calgary is going to be coming in wanting to prove something again. Like I've been saying kind of throughout this uh, week, uh, that Calgary is going to be one of those teams that wants to prove something. And that being said, I just, Bo Levi wants to win this one badly, I would think. Uh, I think that probably he's got more motivation, he's got his crowd behind him, and you always get a little bit of a point spread already for just being the home team, I believe. So to me, I think that I just, I would take the Stampeders probably on that one.
1: Well, that's what I'm going to add, because they, you usually get three points. So if this was on a neutral field, they're only favored by half a point. So the point spread saying that it's going to be a one point game. That's why I kind of lead to Montreal. But Ryan, what do you think, man?
0: Yeah, something about Montreal and Calgary when they play each other gets a little weird uh, quite often, I feel like. Uh, Now this one's in Calgary. So I feel a little more confident in the Stampeders because normally it's, you know, Calgary can have a great year. Montreal can be awful. And somehow Montreal beats Calgary at home every time. But these are two teams that uh, I, I I could expect very good things or I could expect not so good things. I think I'm leaning towards Calgary because of the home field advantage. Uh, you know, a field goal difference is not a, not a huge difference really here. I, I think I would lean the Calgary direction on this pick and, and you know, go with the Calgary bet here myself. But, uh, hey, if you want to make some money, uh, you know, maybe go Montreal's direction here. I think it's a very even matchup.
1: Oh, yeah, I agree, guys. Uh, let's go to the Friday night football, Ottawa, the return of Lapo to Winnipeg. Uh, don't worry, I'm gonna write it down so I'm gonna see at the end uh, who would have made more money if, <laughs> if we made bets. So I'll write down, you guys both lean to Calgary, but Ottawa and Winnipeg nine and a half. That's a lot. Winnipeg would need to win by 10. I'm gonna go with the road dog to cover. I think Lapo's gonna keep it close. I think it's gonna be a def- like the uh, Winnipeg's gonna be a more defensive game and uh they're going to time manage and probably just get a last second touchdown to kind of put them away. Uh Let's go with Ryan. What do you think about
0: that one? Yeah, I was looking at these odds before as well. And, uh, you know, I'm still fresh into the betting odds and how to read them and understand everything with it. And uh, I was looking at this one and it was very intriguing to me because it's, uh, you know, a lot of it, a big different line compared to the other games here. And I think that's Based on last season, I guess, uh, for Ottawa, but I think that's not really a fair, uh, you know, uh, knock here on the Red Blacks that are going to be an entirely different team. I'll take Winnipeg to win the game at home, but are they going to win by 10 points? I don't think so. I think maybe you see the Bombers win by a touchdown, but a very competitive Red Blacks team that is going to uh, show some stuff, and I... I don't think that Bomber's defense is going to be 100% as good as it was last year. I think it's just impossible to hit that uh, that same streak, especially here in week one. So uh, I'll, I'll give uh, Winnipeg the win. But uh, in terms of this bet, I think uh, Ottawa will lose by uh, less than 10. Uh, Adam?
2: I agree. I don't think I could see Ottawa uh, not covering that. I mean, so I I got Ottawa to cover on this one, Absolutely. Uh, just because, again, Lapo, Lapo's coming into uh, Winnipeg and he wants to show that, hey, you guys made a mistake when you had to let like, go of me back in the day and wants to also prove a little bit that, yeah, the Ottawa's not the team that they were last year. Uh, let's face it, Jeremiah Mazzoli has some proving to do and Winnipeg is going to take a little bit of adjustment here. Like you said before, Alexander's hurt. There's uh, Rose's hurt. Their defense is not quite the same as it used to be. Uh, back there, and Ottawa's going to try to take advantage of that, especially with an offensive mind like uh, Mike Benavides, or sorry, uh, uh, Paul Appelise in there. I think that they're probably going to cover that spread. Uh, I don't know about pretty easily, but they'll cover it.
1: Right on, guys. Uh, third game, Hamilton goes into Saskatchewan. Saskatchewan's got two and a half. Now this one was interesting because he, I made my own personal bets last week and it was at one and a half Monday night. If anyone remembers, I said it went to one. Now it bumped up to two and a half. Now it's a field goal game. I'm still gonna take Saskatchewan. They're in there, you know they're in their home field. I think winning by a field goal is uh, very possible for them. I don't know. Hamilton could keep it close. So I think. I think it's one of those games though. You got you got to pick who you think's gonna outright win because. Uh, one two point game. I know we got the Rouge, but that that's really tough. Let's go to uh, you know. Let's go to Adam. This is your Riders team. Uh, do you think they're going to win by three? Yeah, I think they're going to probably
2: win by three. Um, I think that again, you're going to look at a team that's uh, looking to again show that they're. Uh, that they're on the run for the great cup this year, because they got a lot to prove in Saskatchewan this year. Hamilton is going to still want to also say that, Hey, we, we were just in the great cup, but uh let's face it. I'll go. Yeah. If it's three, even right now, I'd still go with Saskatchewan and uh, allow their kick into pill country.
0: Yeah. Not much of a difference uh between these two teams. I, I think it's a close game here. Uh, I'm going to, See, I have a problem with my picks in that, you know, I, I went Calgary, the home team and the Western team in game one, Winnipeg, same thing in game two. Now, I, you know, I'm leaning towards Saskatchewan in game three here, but the, I, I, there's so much parity in the CFL. Like, I feel like it's not going to happen that we're going to get, you know, all of the home teams and all the West teams to beat the East teams in week number one, but... So one of these, I'm I know I'm gonna be wrong on one of these, but I'm taking the riders here as well, maybe mostly just for Adam's sake, so that uh you know Saskatchewan isn't the one home team I pick against in week number one. But uh no, I agree. I think it's gonna be a close game, but uh I do like the riders here on, on a tight line. So uh I'll give it to them. I'm excited for Fajardo in that offense.
1: Awesome. I love it, guys. And the last game, Edmonton at BC. I going to do something I don't do very often. I'm going to take three road dogs to cover. I'm going to say Edmonton, three and a half. So they got to lose by less than three. I think they're going to easily outright win this game. Um, so I'm going to take Edmonton. I think Chris, to Chris Jones' effect is going to work week one. He's going to get to the Canadian quarterback um, and, uh, yeah, easily win outright. But, hey, I got a little bit of a three
0: and a half point cushion. Uh, let's go to Ryan. What about you? I'm not sold on Edmonton in Week One. Uh, I, as much as it's it's iffy on both sides in this one, so I, you know, I get uh, maybe it's going to be come down to a you know a field goal or less here between these two sides. But uh, I'm going to take BC uh, outright and against the spread here. I, I really like what I've seen from the Lions. I think uh, Chris Jones uh, is going to do good things for this team, but it's going to take a bit of time for that to kick in uh, I'm more sold on uh, the lions as a whole right now. So I'm going to go with BC here in week one at home again, taking all the home teams here. doesn't feel right. No, I'm going to be wrong on something here, but uh, problem is I don't know which of these games I'm going to be wrong on. So I'm just going to hope for the best, I guess. Uh, Adam, what about you?
2: Just to confirm that trade, that was uh, Edmonton to uh, plus three
1: and a half or minus three and a half. I think you uh, Edmonton plus three and a half
2: Edmonton plus three and a half.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh,
2: I think that BC is going to win this one. The reason being is they've got a huge crowd behind them, which if you're a veteran of BC, you're not used to seeing that. And that's going to change momentum. I think a little bit right off the bat. Uh, I think that Nathan Rourke is going to want to come out. And again, I've been saying prove himself a lot tonight, but, uh, I think that he's going to have a great game. Um, uh, I think that the B.C. defense is just going to make Nick Carbuckle's day a very miserable day, and here go Chris Jones's day a miserable day. So to me, I'm going to go with the B.C. Lions uh, to uh, take in that three-and-a-half and outright win it as well, just like Ryan, and the reason being is, again, I think that that uh, big crowd in B.C. is going to probably uh, play in as a factor against Edmonton.
0: Yeah, that's, that's one thing I meant to include there as well on, on the lines that big crowd when I was making my pick on the CFL Pick'em website earlier. I went BC because it's going to be a loud BC stadium uh, there, and I, I think that propels them to the win here.
2: I remember back in 06 and 07 when, uh, uh, or even 04, I guess it was, when uh, the, the manure incident happened with Paul McCallum uh saskatchewan going into those stadiums and that stadium was a rock and uh i don't know they always said that they pumped in music but i mean i didn't think they needed to that those crowds were just crazy in bc and uh i'm really hoping to see the same thing this week
1: all right guys so yeah just quick some math on playnow.com if you did so if if you did a ten dollar bet like me montreal ottawa saskatchewan edmonton they'll pay 135 dollars so not bad For you guys, you guys were the same. Calgary, Ottawa, Saskatchewan, BC, a $10 bet. You're pretty up there, too, $130.08. So not bad. The the point spread is usually similar money. The bet that I would just watch out for, if you really are feeling gutsy, maybe uh, put the kids' college fund on Ottawa just in case. uh, No, I'm just kidding. I wouldn't endorse that. But, uh, you know, put some money down on Ottawa. Um, They, uh, what was it? It was four, like five to one right now. So uh yeah, if you put the uh, let me see or do the quick math here. I lost where it is. But yeah, anyway, yeah. Sorry? So no betting the farm is what you're saying? Yeah, I can't I can't endorse that uh legally
0: but uh yeah let's be clear the Canadians do not take anything we say here fantasy or betting wise do not go to vegas and bet the house and the farm and everything with it uh keep it gamble responsibly folks keep keep your limit low on
1: these gambling sites keep it a game keep it fun uh you know there's enough uh sharks i know enough sharks out there who are betting 10 grand a game you don't need to do it uh yeah but a ten dollar bet on ottawa Single game betting is not the best, but that'd be $38. So not bad, you know, comparing that the other ones, you only double your money if you're lucky. So that's one that I'd
0: watch out for too. Uh, That's all I got for betting this week, guys. I'm really interested to see what that line for uh, Winnipeg-Ottawa is going to be next week as well, because there's such a difference this week. Well, they play again next week too, right? So uh, home and home series, expect it to be a little closer, not a 10-point spread there from those two teams but uh we'll stay tuned next week and see where the the lines uh are and uh make our bets and uh fantasy picks and all of that again next week uh, i think that does it for our week one preview where uh we're set to go for the cfl regular season games kick off thursday night i'm so excited uh, I know the Bombers uh, are hosting a game. Uh, I'll be there. Uh, Trey, I believe you're going to be there as well Friday night, right? So uh, looking forward to a fun weekend of football and so happy to have it back. Uh, let's take a look at what's coming up on the podcast here. Uh, next week, Monday and every Monday throughout the season, we'll have your CFL Weekly Recap. Uh, We'll recap the games, talk the way to CFL news, uh, players of the week, power rankings, all that fun stuff. 9 p.m. Central Time, same time as tonight. Uh, You can uh, join us over on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, and of course the Game Time TV YouTube page as well. And uh, we'll be out in the podcast platform on Tuesday for that one. Uh, And then uh, the three of us will be back here again next week, Wednesday and every Wednesday for uh, much the same as tonight. Let us know what you thought of the format uh, and how we did things all tonight. Any feedback, what you would like to see more from the different segments here as well. Every Wednesday night, the CFL weekly preview uh, live as well and out on the podcast feeds Thursday morning. Uh, Guys, we get ready to wrap things up here. Uh, Where can people find you on social media if they uh, want to talk more about all the fun things we talked about tonight? Uh, Trey, starting with you.
1: Yeah, on Twitter you can find me at TreyMBHarness. I'm, uh, oh, other than a CFL fan, I'm the go-to guy on harness racing in Manitoba. So you know, I'll be watching uh, the Belmont this weekend. Like I said, a uh, UFC. Um, you know what? Always check out horse racing if uh, you've never. You want again? If you have a couple dollars, you want to spend, or even just watch it for fun. Uh, anyone interested? A big harness race this weekend in Toronto. There's a Pepsi North American Cup. Uh, 17 three-year-old horses uh, fight for a chance to make it into that, uh, which is net, like the next weekend. So again, you know, if you're new to horse racing, uh, sometimes the bigger ones are the ones to watch if you uh, to try to figure things out. Uh, if you ever want to talk football, horses, UFC at Tram B Harness. Adam, what about you, man?
2: Yeah, you can find me over at Adam Stewart one Most times I'm sitting around talking about hockey, trying not to make fun of other teams as much. Uh also, just, uh, yeah, talking about farming, talking about anything that really you want to talk about. If you want to talk CFL, NFL, anything for that matter, just head over to Adam Stewart 1, and I'll be over there. Right? What do you th- Where
0: do they find you? Yeah, people can find me on Twitter, at CooperTrooper42, uh, talking through CFL fantasy stuff. Uh, I'm sure throughout the season there a lot. I'm big into the fantasy stuff, of course, as you could probably tell from tonight. Uh, make sure you check out, if you want updates on the uh, the fantasy league we're playing in, uh, it is uh, at CFLPodFantasy on Twitter. You can follow along there. I'm sure we'll be sharing the updates on our accounts as well. Uh, I'll be busy watching my Tampa Bay Lightning storm back to take the series to face Adam, hopefully, in the, uh, the Stanley Cup Finals, a 2-2 series, anybody's game now. Uh, very excited about that uh for the podcast you can find us on twitter uh at cf countdown pod you can find us on facebook the canadian football countdown and there as well if you're listening to the podcast feeds uh subscribe over on youtube we're streaming these shows live every single time throughout the season uh lots of video uh through the fantasy segments etc as well and you get to see our wonderful faces throughout as well what more could you want uh make sure you check out all the other great shows from around the Canadian Football Podcast Network at CF Pod Network on Twitter and uh whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We appreciate it. if you do all the fun things, such as like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, uh, share the show with your friends, help us grow the show. Uh, we always appreciate the comments in the live chat as well. Thank you for everybody who tuned in live or after the fact. And as always, thanks for listening. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.